Hello and welcome to the brand new educational podcast, The Teachers of Tomorrow. With The Teachers of Tomorrow. With your co-host, Mr Aldring, otherwise known as Matt. And Mr Gregory, also known as Sam. We are here to share our journey, experiences and views on all things education. Just taking it back to sort of recent times in regards to COVID-19 and the impact that's had on teachers moving forward, both existing teachers and people like ourselves who are just moving into into our teaching journey. How do you feel that, that what we've just been through is going to affect the well-being of teachers mentally? And how do you feel that like moving forward, they can use this experience to kind of be a positive, really? Yeah, interesting. I think, you know, teachers, well, I think children have gone through, young people have gone through multiple transitions. You know, we know, for example, I'll, I'll come on to the question of teachers in a second, but I think young people have... Um, they've experienced multiple transitions. So new ways of learning, they've had to adapt to online teaching, online learning. Um, They've had to adapt to maybe not seeing their friends as much, not having those social connections and and also just not doing things that they've been able to do within their personal lives. You know, they've not had the opportunity to, to maybe go to clubs and societies and and do some of the, some of the hobbies etc that they they like to do so i think for young people it's it's been multiple transitions but also for teachers it's also been multiple transitions that so they've had to adapt to new ways of teaching they've had to adapt to um working at home and also looking after their children um or wider families at the same time um as, as well as trying to manage their jobs they've had to um you know they've had to adapt to not having chance to say goodbye to their classes. So, um, you know, there, there's been a real sense of loss. So we are doing some some research on this at the moment. And, you know, what's coming through in the research is this theme of loss. So they've, they've missed out on, you know, the opportunity to, to say goodbye to their classes. They've missed out on, like, even children as well, they've missed out on just normal, normative transitions that normally happen, like end-of-year productions, end-of-year plays, school proms, etc. They've missed out on those things. So I think, I think you know, there's been ups and downs. I think for some teachers it's been positive um, because they've had more chance to spend time with their families, etc. They've had the chance to actually re- review and reflect and and renew and replenish themselves yeah so I think it's it's a mixture um yeah but I think I think you know going forward I think what I hope this has done is the schools that were doing lots of schools were were doing well-being and mental health anyway but there were some schools that were not doing it and they've now realized that actually it's it's essential that they focus on um well-being and mental health particularly for pupils going forward because because of the long-term impacts of covid um on young people so I think what I'm hoping is that this has actually shifted well-being and mental health right to the the top of the agenda in schools and again it kind of touches back onto the the last point you made in regards to looking at more of the holistic side of of education and school in particular and and maybe impacting on a shift in culture towards not just mental health and well-being but just improving people to be citizens and children to be citizens and do you think do you think now that this um, pandemic has happened it might present itself with the opportunity to put more of a central focus on on that aspect of education, like you just mentioned. Well, I, I certainly hope so, because, you know, we've seen, for example, that some schools have done some really, really brilliant work within the community over the last few months. So they've connected more with parents and families and, you know, they've done lots of, I think it's reconceptualised the role of the teacher. So, you know, 
before this, the role of the teacher was just somebody who goes into a lesson and delivers subject knowledge to children. But now, actually, we've seen a broadening of the role of the teacher. So teachers have been caring for children. So there's been that focus on care. There's been that focus on community work that teachers have been doing. So I think I think it's kind of reconceptualising the role of the teacher. And I don't think we should just go back to how it was. It's given us an opportunity to kind of reflect on on the education system and to think of a, maybe a different approach going forward. And I know um, Sam's just going to touch on it here, but it just actually links back quite well to our previous episode on wellbeing, which we just which just came out. And there was, a, there was a couple of stats on there which basically supported that whole reconceptualising of, of the teacher role that teachers actually after, or since the pandemic, feel more valued in their role because I think people are perceiving their role to be a bit, a bit more of just like I say, a bit more than just being a teacher that goes and, and teaches kids knowledge. Now they're, they're realising and seeing the actual impact that, that educators and teachers are having on their children, which I think is really... Yeah, because, because the, one, the one thing that children missed throughout the whole of this was actually just seeing their teachers. So it wasn't that they necessarily missed the learning or the subjects, they're just yeah. missing their teachers. So it's that connection, isn't it, between the teacher yeah. and, the, and the pupil um, is really important. And they miss seeing each other. So... You know, what really came out of this is that what, what is really important to young people is the social side of education, just the social side of actually going to school and meeting people, meeting meeting friends, meeting your teachers, really, really important. And I think we have not emphasised that enough um, previously. I think just on those notes as well, like trying to link previous points that, that you've raised uh, regarding the curriculum, um, how teachers and students' relationships are important for the, the social aspect as well. But on the flip side, is teachers that, that are struggling with like uh, mental well-being, for example, and they have been through probably uh, this period, but also before with the pressures that's been put on them. How much of an impact has that actually had on their students and their attainment and their ability to reach their, their potential, essentially? Like, how, how much of an influence do, do teachers have over their pupils, really? Um, Sam, I need to give you a bit of a long, longer answer for this one. Okay, <laughs> no. so... So, I, so I've done some research in this in this field and, you know, we know that the causes of poor teacher mental health are complex um, and multifaceted. So the dominant thing that you hear about in the media is you hear about workload, you know, that put, you know, high workloads actually cause poor teacher mental health, which of course they do. So there's been a really big focus in recent years on reducing teacher workload, reducing planning, reducing assessment, reducing marking, etc., which is all positive, and I completely support that. But my research suggests that that isn't the biggest, necessarily the biggest issue. Okay, there's there's a really really big issue with negative, toxic school cultures. Okay, it's not just about workload; it's about actually teachers not feeling valued. Um, and not you know not being trusted to do their jobs basically so and not being given autonomy and basically not being treated as professionals Um, and you know if you're working and you're working really really hard but then you're being micromanaged you're not being trusted you're not being given any autonomy then you don't perform okay so that's not how you get the best out of staff so you know we've heard of cases you know really, really sad, sad situations during lockdown of teachers being observed by senior leaders delivering online lessons. What is that all about? You know, teachers <laughs> yeah. teachers delivering online lessons, but being Madness. virtually observed delivering online lessons, crazy. We've got to move away from this culture 
of micromanaging teachers. We've got to start trusting our teachers. We've got to start treating them as professionals, you know, and not telling them how to do their jobs and not micromanaging them. Um, you know, we've, we've got this culture where teachers have been micromanaged for years and years and years, and they've been observed out of all existence, and they haven't been trusted, and they haven't been given autonomy, they've been told how to teach and what to teach, and this isn't good. So I think, you know, the, these are some of the issues that need to be addressed. It's not just about reducing workload, it's about actually changing the whole cultures within schools, isn't it? Mm -hmm. There's far too many examples i can i could tell i could sit here and talk to you about teachers i know you know personally my friends who've been managed out of the classroom for for various reasons or they've been managed out of schools because of their age right so there's a big ageism i shouldn't really say this but i will say it. there's an ageism thing in in schools so um one of the issues is that schools um teachers become expensive so obviously you know younger younger cheaper teachers are much more attractive to schools so if you you know you're um at the top of the pay scale then you're you might be less attractive to a school so we've got to start treating teachers as as the professionals they are yeah um we've got to start trusting them we've still got to start giving them autonomy we've got to start valuing them and praising them and rewarding them for what they do because the vast majority of teachers are highly dedicated hard-working professionals who want to do the best for, for children young people and they don't perform well when they're working under those conditions now one of the other issues that came out of my research is that um, yes school culture plays a significant role in teachers mental health but also if something goes wrong within the teacher's family, you know, within their, within their personal situation, within their personal context. So maybe they have a divorce, a separation, a relationship breakdown. Maybe their parents become ill. Or maybe they're, they're experiencing domestic violence. Okay. So when something goes wrong in their personal life, that is when everything falls down. Because the job is like takes 110%, well, 200%. So there's no time for anything to go wrong. So suddenly, um, this happened to me. So my mum had a brain hemorrhage when I was a young teacher, I was 29. Suddenly you find yourself having to do hospital visits, having to look after family members who were ill, etc. And, and then you haven't got the time to do your planning and your preparation and to get ready for your lessons. So, so basically you're not keeping up with your job because you can't fit the job into the working time. So the job seeps into your evenings, into your weekends, and then if you're using that time then to attend to personal issues, then you're not actually keeping up with the job. So everything falls down. And when I spoke to teachers, that's exactly what they said to me. They said they were absolutely fine and could just cope with the job. They could just about cope with the job until something went wrong in their personal lives. And, and that's when everything fell down. So when a teacher's in that situation, if their mental health isn't good, then it will inevitably impact on the pupils. So for various reasons. So their mind might not be on the job as much as they would like it to be. Maybe they can't, um, they can't focus as much on the job. Um, you know, so I interviewed teachers who had poor mental health who said that they struggled to think through things clearly. So they were struggling to actually teach things because they weren't thinking clearly. And they were struggling to explain concepts because they weren't thinking clearly because their mind was elsewhere. So it's impacting on their teaching. I interviewed teachers who said that um, their poor mental health had impacted on their ability to keep up with the job. So they weren't as well planned, they weren't as well organised. 
in the classroom so their lessons weren't as good they weren't keeping up with marking and assessments um, so you know obviously it will it will impact I interviewed a teacher who had who experienced sadly domestic violence and was going home every night well actually what she was doing was she was in this awful situation um, of being in an abusive relationship and she was staying in school till 10 o'clock every night because she didn't want to go home and you know, clearly there was something wrong, but the school didn't realise and they just thought we've got a really hard working committed teacher, so let's just pile on more work. And they just gave her more and more work to do. She was then going home and um ha was being treated, you know, terribly by by her partner who was basically abusing her and putting water on the bed so that she couldn't sleep at night. So she was absolutely exhausted. So her teaching then the following, you know, it wasn't great. Um, because she wasn't she was just exhausted so you know we've got to bear in mind that teachers are human beings and at the end of the day they have to deal with these situations within their lives you know their parents could become ill they could be having a breakdown of a relationship um, there could be all sorts of stuff going on and this will impact on their teaching although you know teachers will try to not let it impact because they're professionals they will do their best to not let it affect their work but inevitably it will, it will affect their work. And, you know, when I spoke to pupils, so I went into school and interviewed 64 pupils and said, you know, let's talk about the mental health of your teachers. <laughs> and um, which was an interesting question. And they said that they could absolutely tell when their teacher was stressed when their teacher had poor mental health because you know particularly primary school children they have this relationship with their teacher they know their teacher really really well they've they've been with them all year sometimes two years sometimes three years so they know them really well so when things are not right they can just intuitively pick up on it they know straight away so they said to me things like you know they knew when their teacher was anxious they knew when they were stressed um and it impacted on them because what they didn't want to do was make the situation worse for the teacher. So they just basically didn't ask any questions. They just stayed quiet and compliant. And then it obviously affected their learning. And then the children spoke to me about times when their teachers were having like a bad time and the teachers had gone off sick. And then they were talking about supply teachers and they said, you know, some supply teachers were great. Some supply teachers were not great. And they said, it doesn't matter how good a supply teacher is, they don't know us like our teacher. We don't have the same relationship with them. Um, we don't behave as well for the supply teacher. And they don't actually know where we are in our learning as well as the teacher knows where we are. So either they, they pitch the work too hard or they pitch the work too easy. It's never quite pitched at the right level. And I spoke to a, a head teacher who said that, you know, this one class had had, the teacher had gone off sick teacher who got poor mental health um, they'd had a series of supply teachers coming in during the whole of that year when that class was in year four and they, they basically the head said the class never caught up after that they were always way behind um, so it can have a long-term impact yeah I mean sorry that was a long answer no no I was just I was, to be honest I was just taking it all in I was like whoa I was just like this is this research that you, that you found there's a lot of it which I don't mean Sam have done just just in separate sort of instances through uni and different different topics that we we've done and and you're basically picking all these bits out that we've maybe found individually in certain assignments that we might have done and you're saying that all the research that you've done yourself and carried about yourself 
they're kind of all impacting each other and they're all collaboratively affecting teacher well-being, student well-being, mental well-being for, for sort of head teachers. And, and it's just fascinating to listen to, to hear it all sort of culminate together and just kind of shows that there's not sort of one area to, to talk about and, and, and pinpoint on how well-being is being affected. There's, like I say, multifaceted different aspects which are all sort of contributing to, to teacher well-being, to to child mental well-being to, and to school sort of just school culture in general i've got um, quite a critical follow-up question i, I don't know uh, now um, i'm nervous <laughs> <laughs> because like what, what you've said is just it's just blown me away just like how insightful just fascinating just that th- those last points that, that you've made it's, it's not really a yes or no but like would you say te- teachers going into the profession are they going into a profession where they are inevitably going to fail I'm hesitating to answer that question because I'm just processing it. Um, so I think, no, if they have, if they get into a school that's got the right culture that will support them, where they're trusted, where they're given support, where they're given, you know, autonomy to do their jobs, etc., then then no, they won't fail. Um, it's about, you know, the the one thing that came through in all of my research is the importance of school culture, um, and you know, the school culture is right and it prioritizes well-being for staff and pupils then no they won't fail and so on, on that point then obviously you've spoken about autonomy and things like that do you feel that there is room in the current curriculum the current pressures put on by Ofsted because you've said as well that there are schools with a good uh, school culture is there room for teachers to express themselves to be autonomous to be the teachers that, that they want to be essentially Absolutely, because it's the leaders who set the culture. So, you know, if, if, if that's the culture that actually we want our teachers to be autonomous, we want, we want to respect our teachers and value them and trust them, then, then that is within the power and the gift of, of school leaders to do that. Um, you know, and there's, there's an opportunity for school leaders to really focus on the broad curriculum. And I think that will support the mental health and well-being of pupils. So, and there's an opportunity now for school leaders to focus on you know, on, on the whole school approach to mental health. So I think, yes, it's definitely within within the gift of school leaders to focus on on these things. No, I, I appreciate you answering those those two questions because I think, to be fair, I think it's some some questions that trainee teachers are, are especially worried about or teachers when they go into it. But yeah, no, it's, it, yeah. it's pleasing to hear. I think, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, teaching is still, in my view, it's the best profession in the world you know what what other job do you have the opportunity to go to work and every day think i'm making a difference to these young people even if you know you might not feel you're making a difference you will be making a difference and some days that you'll be making a difference to one child it's still a difference so it's you know it's a really really important job and it's a really rewarding job and you know, I think what we often focus on are the negatives of teaching. We focus on the workload, we focus on the stress, etc. But we actually need to remind ourselves why we're doing this job. Yeah. Why is it important? What motivated us to become teachers? And if you actually go back to those points every time, then it'll keep you going. I think that's an attitude that you can take on, not just in, in teaching and in education, but just outside of education. You know, just having that attitude and, like I say, rather than focusing on the negatives or areas maybe that that aren't going so well you take the positives from from your day or take the positives from what you have done and i think it's a, it's a really important mindset to to sort of well encourage our children to be like first of all but also just as adults you know just going forward just recognizing you know, the positives that we've had particularly in an industry like 
like teaching, like say if you've impacted one child in one day, then great. That's one more child than, than the day before. So I think it's just really important to have that sort of attitude going forward as aspiring teachers and existing teachers as well. And it links quite nicely actually, because you've mentioned a few issues, sort of strategies or ways that maybe school culture could improve in terms of affecting mental well-being, such as like focusing on the curriculum, you know, leadership team, having more of a, a vital role in dictating how their teachers have more autonomy and focus on a wider, wider scale approach. Do you sort of have any individual top tips for how to kind of deal with maybe like sort of an issue you're dealing with at home and, and work at the same time? You know, how do you, do you have any sort of tips for balancing them two and trying to allow it not to affect your work? I think it's different for different teachers because some teachers are absolutely workaholics and you know they so so work is everything to them um and you know they don't they might not have any hobbies or interests um and you know if that's if that's them and and that makes them happy I think that's fine but I think it's really important to try to create a balance between between you know work and home and that includes things like you know being really strict about not checking emails. Um, some schools are having like a policy of not emailing staff after six o'clock at night um, and not emailing them on a weekend and during holidays. I think that's a positive step. I think it's important to, you know, to make sure that you're maintaining friendships with, with people that you've got that social connectivity that you're meeting with friends and, and family and that you also just doing things like, you know, looking after your physical health as well. Um, and just making sure that, and if you don't like any of that, just at least making sure that you're finding time to recharge and just relax, um, you know, because nobody can be effective if they're burnt out, you know, so having dedicated time when you're not working and protecting, you know, protecting things like weekends, I think is really, really important. And just following up from that, you touched on how important the, the social side of it is for children earlier. How important do you think teacher relationships sort of socially are in sort of maintaining like a really good mental health? Because I know from my experiences that I've been in some schools which have got like a really good culture in terms of teachers getting along with teachers and socialising maybe in groups sort of outside of school. And so when they're kind of in school, they kind of work really well together. And then sometimes I've been in schools where maybe they haven't had that culture sort of within it and it's maybe found it more difficult to kind of share ideas and, and teach together. Do you think that that's like a really important aspect of, of sort of maintaining a really positive well-being as a teacher? I think it's important because teaching is a social job, isn't it? So I think, you know, it's about people ultimately. So I think if you can develop friendships with the people that you work with, then I think it makes life easier, really. Um, although having said that, what you don't want to do is, you know, some pe- for some people that won't work because just having teacher friends, you just end up talking about teaching all the time, you know, yeah. within, within social time. So that might not be a good thing sometimes. <laughs> so I think different things work for different people. But I think generally if staff can socialise and connect on a social level, it does help. And I think uh, on that note as well, like personal to, to me, Matt and quite a number of our viewers of our, of our uh, podcast and listeners, I should say. Um, I'm getting confused between yeah. YouTube and no, Spotify. No views yet, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so as individuals, obviously, we're embarking on our training year through our PGC or other people who are just embarking on their training year through Skit or just a BA with QCS. What can we do as our individuals to support our peers like through that year, um, essentially, or through, through those years? 
Well, there's lots that you can do. So, I mean, the, obviously the training year, the PGCE is, is challenging. I mean, I feel really, you know, upset about what's happened this year with the current PGCE um, cohort, because obviously they've, um, they've lost their final placements because of school lockdown. So, you know, one of the, one of the PGCE students contacted me and said, I feel that I've been robbed or we feel that we've been robbed basically. And they have been robbed because they haven't done their final placements. And therefore they feel that they're starting their, their NQT year further behind because on that final placement, that's when you do loads of learning. You know, it's when you've got the class for, you know, 80%, 90% of the time when you do most of your teaching, when you develop most of your skills. So I just hope that they're going to schools that recognise and understand that that's happened and, and that they'll need further support in the NQT year to actually bring them up to speed. Um, so, yeah, so... You know, let's let's just acknowledge what's happened this year, I think, with, with the PGCE group. I think it's really important that you keep talking to each other on a PGCE programme or, or a BAQTS programme because it's a challenging course. And it's not just challenging academically, it's just challenging. It's emotionally challenging because it's teaching and, you know, because it's highly personal. So, you know, you'll go into schools and... You know, some schools will be brilliant and you'll feel supported. You'll have brilliant mentors. You might go into other schools where you have a less positive experience. Okay, so it's really important, particularly I think when you're out on placement, when you're not in the university, when you're not seeing people, that you keep connecting with people, either through social media or, you know, meet them outside, you know, of school, because you're going to need that support network around you to actually keep you going. And there'll be times when... There'll be times when, which are real low points, you know, when you've had a bad lesson or you've had bad feedback from your mentor where you feel like giving up, you know, you think things are getting really difficult, where you actually just need support from other people. And then you'll, be, you'll have times that are brilliant. You know, there'll be lots and lots of ups and downs um, on the teacher training course. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how it is. And you'll have good days, bad days, good lessons, bad lessons, um, good feedback, bad feedback. You know, and you just need to keep communicating with, with your tutors, with your peers, with anybody. And particularly if you're in a school where, you know, some, some PGCs go into a school, PGC trainees and BAQTS trainees go into schools that, and they have, they have a negative experience and they just feel that, you know, they're being criticised all the time. And I think it's difficult during... When, you, when you're in a six-week, seven-week placement and you're in that kind of school and you feel that, you know, you've been criticised, it's difficult to keep going in those situations. And during those times, it's really important that you talk to people because this is a normal experience, actually, and it happens to lots of people, you know, and you'll go to another school and you'll have a fantastic experience. So, you know, you just have to... I mean, in the ideal world... Everybody would go into fantastic schools where they're supported and have brilliant mentors, but we don't live in an ideal world. We live in the real world. And in the real world, you don't have much experiences. You know, so this is the real world. And it's just like teaching, you know, you'll go into some schools, you get you might have a, a job in one school where it's brilliant, you might change schools, and it's not, it's different. You have negative experience. So this is the real world, but I think we have to just keep connecting with each other and talking to each other you know and you've got to cling on to your values why am I doing this why do I want to be a teacher what is actually driving me to do this because once you've got through that experience and you've moved on to a different school things will be much better and I think 
for us personally, that's kind of why we set the podcast up in the first place, you know, purely because we wanted to connect with people and share our concerns, excitement, all these aspects with people who are either at similar sort of stages to our development or more experienced people like yourself, you know, having these conversations with people like yourself who had so much more experience than us. And it's just about, well, if I know from myself personally, that just creating a platform and an environment where people can feel like one, they're just, they're not really alone. If they're having a bad day, people like ourselves, who are going through the similar, a similar sort of process will have them as well. And it's just about being that support network and so allowing sort of us to reflect on maybe what we've done well, what we've not done well and, and areas where we can improve. And it's just so important and so great to sort of have people like yourself, Jonathan, coming on here and, and talking about these things because it gives people like myself and Sam and whoever else is listening that kind of guidance and that kind of acknowledgement that it's okay to, to have a few bad days and things like that. And it's, it's fine moving forward. So my first placement, so I did a four-year B.Ed. Um, in primary education so I did four placements my first placement was horrendous I absolutely hated it um, the mentor was really really critical with me all the time I got no support I got no guidance and I just wanted to give up I absolutely hated it but I just kept going because I, wanted, I really wanted to be a teacher and then I went on and did three fantastic placements after that and this is often the reality for lots of trainee teachers that you know you'll have one negative experience but that won't be the case in in different placements you'll have good experiences as well yeah and uh, it moves nicely onto our cpd recommendation section of the podcast where we've got a number of your books obviously there's so many that we had to kind of whittle them down a little bit to a few that are specific to what we've discussed today um but particularly a couple of the latest ones one you released this year staying mentally healthy during your teaching career i think it'd be a really positive one for people like ourselves to get get on board with and, and have a look at because like i say you've touched on so many points today that will be in that book equally again positive mental health for school leaders i think is another really crucial one to to kind of pick up because for us as, as young teachers i guess we don't really know what the school leaders have got got to put up with and have got to juggle and balance so i think just having a read of that would give us maybe an an outline or a, an idea of sort of what our mentors and, and leaders are going to be going through whilst we're going through our training i know sam's got a couple as well that he wants to touch on and which Again, we think it would be really beneficial to the people tuning in, whether on YouTube or, or listening in. Yeah, it's just um, the one that I referenced earlier was from the stats was uh, supporting student health in higher education, which I think is like really important, especially with us doing a PGCE or even those doing the transition from their A-levels into um, like a BA a teacher training course. I think we, yeah, I just think it's re- really beneficial just to re- read upon it because I've read some of it already and it's fascinating because it, it definitely re- resonates with like, how I felt and Thing like that, and so I'm sure other people reading that will, um, yeah, will take benefit from it. And again, that's another really, really recent, recent book from um, 2019. So, yeah, all really good, good books that Jonathan has uh, published. And I, th- I think the, the biggest piece of advice I, I could give someone going into teaching, and I wasn't good at this myself when I was a younger teacher, but I'm going to give it now. <laughs> um, so, if you're asked to do any planning, then you don't need to produce a five page lesson plan, just think, you know, actually. If I'm going to do all this paperwork, will it have an impact on the children and their progress and their learning? And if the answer is no, then you shouldn't be doing it. Right? There isn't time to be wasting time actually filling in paperwork for the sake of doing paperwork and ticking boxes. You know, you just need to be really, really efficient. So, so with your planning, you know, you're going to have to 
trainee teachers often when they start doing lesson planning they'll spend ages they'll spend four hours on one lesson plan that's not realistic so if you're teaching if you imagine as a teacher, you're teaching five lessons a day, five days a week, you can't spend four hours on one lesson plan. You've got to get your plans down to five minutes or 10 minutes. You've got to start being efficient. And, you know, don't, don't make a meal of the paperwork if you don't need to, really. Okay, because ultimately you just need to do enough to make sure the kids will make progress. And, you know, you shouldn't be wasting time doing paperwork for the sake of paperwork. Just before my finishes off i would just like to personally say i'm hugely hugely grateful for you coming onto our podcast and giving us your knowledge insight on your research your experiences honestly it's been i mean yeah if we've been a bit slow to, to react to some of your answers it's because we've like we're literally like what honestly it's been really really good and insightful so yeah we, we cannot uh, thank you enough and we are sure this is going to be really beneficial to so many people that, that listen to this hopefully so yeah uh, thank you for for your time that you, that you've given thank us you to today. And, and, and just with the podcast. Yeah. No, oh, thank and, you. And, and just before we go, like I say, if, if anyone wants to get in touch with Jonathan or just follow his follow his research, follow him on Twitter, it's at J underscore Glazard. Equally, if you want to just get in touch with me and Sam after this to, to follow up um, some of the questions or with the recommendations that we've that we've mentioned, catch us on Instagram on at the teachers of tomorrow um, or on Twitter at TFT Pod. Like I say, we've got some really exciting uh, episodes coming up following on from this one around um, bipolar in education and also one particularly around that uh, I think it's really important I know Jonathan has uh, got some really good books which we'll talk about late in the episode but particularly around LGBTQ plus in in primary education and there's a couple there's one book particularly for primary age and um, supporting LGBTQ plus inclusion in the foundation early years which again on that episode we'll, we'll touch on and moving forward you know I'm really looking forward to to that discussion but like I say like Sam's touched on um, I'm sure listeners will agree for me personally as well Jonathan thanks so much for taking the time to come on here again what a conversation what a chat um, I've, I've learned so much in this in this conversation itself so like I say thanks so much um, for taking the time with us and, and our listeners and like I said hopefully I'm looking forward to uh, getting in touch with you again soon but no thanks thanks again Jonathan and good luck with your PGCEs cheers thanks very much thank you yeah.